Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Again, I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen, and it took me about an hour, but I feel like I'm back. You're back. I'm back. You're back. We did four days of fall share. You guys were amazing. Totally amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you um, for every person who joined us in prayer, for all of you who are ongoing monthly givers, for those of you, 969 of you who stepped forward during these four days and said, hey, you know what, count me in. Count me in with a one-time gift or count me in with an ongoing monthly gift. I want you to know that um, we are so grateful. We are so grateful. It was a historic event, more than half a million dollars raised in the four days to advance the ministry. If you missed it, one of the people who joined us um, lives in Belgium. Yeah. And his name is Luke, and he asked us to pray because there's a prevailing darkness in the land in which he lives. And Faith Radio, via the stream at MyFaithRadio.com, or maybe he listens on the Faith Radio app, um, provides fellowship, encouragement. Light. Light. The teaching of the gospel, the equipping for walking his faith out into uh, a world that God loves, but a world that is increasingly hostile to the gospel and gospel people. So there you go. If you were looking for somebody um, who's listening and listening half a world away through what is now a global media ministry of Faith Radio, um, you can bring Luke into, and that's L-U-C, you can bring him into your mind in Belgium. All right, I was reading this morning, uh, Money Magazine has made a list of the 50 best places to live in America, and number one is Chanhassen, Minnesota. Well, I do like the Chanhassen Dinner Theater, I can tell you that much. Well, there you go. go. Paul's taking us all to dinner. I wish I can afford that. Woodbury is also on the list. Woodbury, Minnesota, number 29. Rosemount, Minnesota, number 32. So Minnesota has three towns and or cities on the list of Money Magazine's 50 Best Places in America to Live. Hmm. Notable, Franklin, Tennessee, came in number three. Not far from you. Carmel, Indiana is number two. Oh, you were near, born near there. I know. Carmel, Indiana is a lovely little town. All right. So there you go. Um, I, the reason that I lift that, up, lift that up today is because you and I are called by God to pray for and work for the welfare of the city where we lived. So what does it look like for you and I to make the place where we now live one of the best places to live in America? Like, what does it look like for you and I as Christians to make the place that, that we live a better place? What does it look like for us to do good, to work for the common good? I'm going to encourage you to consider that today. We talked a little bit in the first hour about Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People. We talked about uh, that with Nick Pitts. And I had this thought, and I thought I would just tee this up again. Um, what is a person of influence, and who are the people who influence you? If you had to make a list if, if, right now, if you had to sit down and make a list of the most influential people in your life in 2021, so well, maybe, maybe you go back a year. 
in the last year, who have been the most influential people in your life? Maybe a list of 10. Who would be on that list? Who are the top 10 influencers in your life? Who influences what you know and what you think and what you feel or what you do, where you live, um, what you do with your free time, how you invest yourself, what you read, what you watch, what you wear, what you post on social media? Who influences your financial or your recreational or your personal decisions? Who are your 10 most influential people? Um, There was a time when Billy Graham would have been considered an influential person. He was actually on Time's list a number of years, year after year after year. I found it notable that on Time's list of the 100 most influential people, there's not a pastor nor an evangelist on the list. Is there one on your list? Is your pastor one of the most 10 most influential people in your life? It's worthy. It's worthy to note. I think it's worthy to note. All right. We are going to talk with Adam Holtz next from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. He knows a little bit about influence and what influences us today in the culture. We'll be right back. He works with Focus on the Family's Plugged In Ministry. You can find what we're talking about today at PluggedIn.com. All right, Adam, on the list of things that I feel like I should have known about you, your wife is working on her doctorate, and she is right now defending her dissertation. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's happening today. Very, very excited for her. All right, so prayers ascending. Let her know that we're lifting her up um, today as she goes forth to do that. All right, let's talk about some reviews. This one is posted at PluggedIn.com. Let's talk about Show Me the Father. Yeah, Show Me the Father is the latest Kendrick Brothers movie. If you know about the Kendrick Brothers, obviously they are the creators of Courageous and Fireproof, War Room, Facing the Giants, um, Overcomer. But this movie is a little bit different. This is a documentary. And as the title tells us, it's a documentary about fatherhood. This uh, this documentary looks at five different men and their relationship, either with father, fathers or father figures. Um, and it really runs the gamut from a couple NFL guys who had fantastic fathers to uh, our very own President Jim Daly, whose fatherhood experience hardly could have been worse. He had a an abusive first father. His mother left that man. The next man she married was a disciplinarian. His mom died of cancer, uh, and his stepfather couldn't deal with raising the kids and abandoned them. And Jim was then in foster care, and um, he has a pretty rough story. And the point of this is, I think, twofold. It's to show us that no matter what our experiences with our fathers have been, um, we can enjoy and experience a relationship with our Heavenly Father that uh, that brings life to us as we know Him, as we experience His goodness in ways maybe we didn't with our heaven with our earthly fathers. Uh, and I think just to to remind us, to sensitize us, to exhort us that the role a father plays in the lives of his children is an irreplaceable role. Nobody else can be a father to your children. You're the only one. Um, and so, but it doesn't do it in a way that makes you feel guilty or condemned or shamed. I think there's, there's a deep humility and grace to this movie. 
that I think invites you to be honest about places maybe you have un, you know, unhealed wounds as a father, but also to to gently or or maybe with a medium nudge, you know, push you toward longing to be a better father yourself as you know God better. So honestly, Carmen, I'm not sure there's two better hours you could spend in a theater right now. Um, and this may be the last weekend that it's in theaters. So you'll want to be sure to uh, check that out this weekend if you're thinking about going to a movie. All right. Show me the father. That seems like two enthusiastic thumbs up. All right. Let's oh, yeah. talk about Eyes of Tammy Faye. Now, let me just go ahead and confess and admit that um, the palette of colors and the techniques now used to put makeup not only on the eye, but all around the face, all over the face. Um, I just feel like generationally, she'd be so happy to be a young person today. <laughs> I think so. I think you're right. And um, obviously, we're talking about Tammy Faye Baker. If you're over the age of probably 40 or 45, you instantly remember Tammy Faye Baker as the wife of Jim Baker, who was an 80s televangelist who rose to prominence, had an enormous multi-million dollar multimedia organization before we even really talked about multimedia, right? Um, and then there was sexual scandal, there was financial scandal, there was shame, there was embarrassment, there was prison terms. But Tammy Faye was known for her, I mean, if you look up over the top eye makeup, there's a picture of Tammy Faye in the dictionary, I think. And Jessica Chastain plays her. And if you come to Plugged In's website, pluggedin.com, you'll see a picture of her um, that I think is a, a, a reasonable facsimile, shall we say, of Tammy Faye Baker and just her incredible eye makeup. Um, but the, the title has sort of a double entendre. It's sort of about not only about her eyes, literally, but it's her story from her perspective. What did she see? What did she experience? And um, this isn't really a Christian-friendly story, but what I appreciate is that it gives a pretty nuanced and complex take on her own faith journey. And we see that despite all the scandal, despite the things that went wrong, there remained kind of a purity of faith and belief in her uh, all through that. Um, now, it also talks about how she became an unlikely gay icon. I mean, this story takes some very strange twists and turns. Um, I don't know that I would recommend it. I think if you lived through that and you ever had a fascination with Jim and Fa Tammy Faye Baker, this might be an interesting way to spend some time. I think it's a reminder that that God's grace is bigger than our failures. Uh, but again, this isn't exactly a, a flattering story of Christians or Christianity. And there's a lot of sexual content for a PG-13 movie. Um, it's not super explicit, but certainly there is a lot suggested here. And this one is in theaters also. All right, we're going to continue our conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In in just a moment. We'll be right back. Now I'm alive and born again, rescued from the grip of sin. Continuing our conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. You can read the reviews we're discussing at PluggedIn.com. All right, Adam, in a sentence or maybe just without a second breath, let's hear a review of Cry Macho. Uh, Cry Macho stars Clint Eastwood as a 91-year-old ex-rodeo guy who gets tapped by a friend to go to Mexico 
and rescue a 13-year-old boy who's essentially been kidnapped by his ex-wife. And Clint Eastwood does that. People doubt him, and he hits them. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Well done. I do like your idea that maybe Clint Eastwood should be cast as Moses. And um, Paul and I have agreed during the break that he would say to Pharaoh, go ahead, make God stay. (laughs) I know what you're thinking, punk. Go. You're thinking... Did he talk to God six times or only five? I ask. <laughs> do you feel lucky? <laughs> Pharaoh, do you feel lucky? Yeah. Okay. So there we go. Um, all right. Uh, maybe eight films that you're curious about this fall. You know, there are a bunch of things coming out this fall that um, you may be interested in. And if I can get my webpage to load. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you're trying to stall and it's just better. <laughs> So the so there's The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and then there's Mass, which is apparently yep. coming out October the 8th. Mom and Dad grieving the tragic loss of their son face uh, the parents of their son's killer in a church basement. Oh, my goodness. And I, and I now have the document open. So I'm definitely seeing bad. that one. No, that I, sounds fascinating. I, I know, right? Doesn't yeah. that just feel like the feel-good movie of the year? No, 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 uh, but it sounds like a good one to watch. Well, I guess we will see, right? I mean, it's not doesn't sound like an easy movie to watch, but sometimes hard movies are the best ones to watch. Um, theoretically, the ever-shifting James Bond movie No Time to Die with Daniel Craig is coming out. And uh, I think there's a pretty good chance that uh, James Bond dies in this one. Mm-hmm. Because not only is Daniel Craig not coming back, but the next Agent 007 is a black woman. So uh, the 007 that we have grown accustomed to since low before I was born 60 years ago when Sean Connery first showed up in his Aston Martin uh, and the Aston Martin is in this movie again to tie things together. Uh, it's coming to an end. This is the end of an era. Um, Dune, um, talk about Dune just briefly, because I think there's probably people who some yep. who think they might be familiar with this and some who may not, but it's got some quasi religious themes in it. Oh yeah. So Dune was a book written by Frank Herbert in 1965 Dune is to science fiction what Lord of the Rings is to fantasy. Uh, It was an exercise in world building about two warring families, the Atreides and the Harkonnens. And Paul Atreides essentially becomes a messiah-like figure. It's set on a desert planet called Arrakis, and they harvest spice from the carcasses of worms that enables them to travel because of what it does to their minds. It It enables interplanetary travel. This is an epic movie. There are definitely themes that pull from Christianity and also from Islam. Um, It's been – they've tried to make it into a movie two other times. Both of them have been resounding failures. I'll be curious to see if they can pull it off this time. And it stars Timothy Chalamet and pretty much everybody else in Hollywood is in this movie. Um, So I'm looking forward to it. Dune's one of my favorite books just because of – how many interesting twists and turns it takes. That shows up October 27th. So, I can't talk. 22nd. All right. And then in a movie that I think um, there's going to be, there will be like 50 versions of, Ron's Gone Wrong. Who is Ron and how is it possible that Ron's Gone Wrong? Well, we have said about this movie in our blog, quote, combine the functionality of Alexa with the cute relatability of a family pet and then stuff the results into a bowling ball-sized caplet, and you've got Ron, or what Ron should be, 
And uh, Ron, it sounds like, goes a little bit berserk. <laughs> so uh, this is a, an animated movie that looks like it could be a lot of fun and have some things to say about where we're at in our social media world these days. All right. Uh, November the 5th, I do know that there are a number of people looking forward to the release of The Eternals. Yeah, The Eternals are a group of superheroes who have watched over the history of mankind in the Marvel universe, uh, which begs all sorts of questions like, mm, Thanos, why didn't you intervene? Like if Angelina Jolie could have taken on Thanos, why didn't she? And I guess this movie may answer that question. So they are sort of godlike characters uh, who have been around. I mean, it really begins to dig deeper and deeper into the mythology behind the Marvel universe, which I think will raise some interesting spiritual questions for us to kick around. Yeah, the spiritual themes um, in a lot of these are are interesting. There's certainly, I mean, of people that remember Ghostbusters, there's going to be Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, speaking of stories, <laughs> as a, you say a here, a good name that, for a reboot, right? Right, you know? Ghostbusters Afterlife. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, are you looking forward to that one? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to, I don't have any interest in some See, 80s rehash I do, thing. I do like it when you're just, um, when you're just straight up and straightforward about such things. All right. Uh, there's I, one I, more, there's I, one more on the list that we may or may not be looking forward to. And that is Encanto. Yeah. This is Disney's end of the year, big, um, animated splash. And it is set in a fictional Colombian town. And everything in the town is magical. And Encanto, I, I think, is Latin, or not Latin, Spanish for singing or song. I don't speak Spanish, so bear with me. Uh, and so it will come as no surprise that Lin-Manuel Miranda has written music for this. And that right there is a reason to go see this movie. Okay. And so we could try to unpack the giant question about Facebook and Instagram and yeah. how bad they thought it was going to be, but we only have a couple of minutes to do so. So I'm just going to let you tell people what is at issue and what you think. Well, there's a lot of research that suggests that social media is linked to teen girls, especially having adverse mental health outcomes, um, suicide, depression, anxiety. In public, Facebook has denied this and tried to pump up the benefits of social media. In private, their own studies have said exactly the same thing, especially Instagram, uh, which is owned by Facebook. And they have found that Instagram especially has uh, even more ability than social media in general to make teen girls feel bad about themselves. And so these secret documents have come out, and now Facebook is sort of backpedaling, if you will, uh, to try to do damage control on the fact that they know that their product hurts teen girls. And so it will be interesting to see what happens from here, because I don't think I don't think they can put the Facebook and Instagram genie back in the bottle. Um, but I'll be curious to see if they come up with any meaningful ways to deal with the issues that they now admit are happening. All right. For those of you uh, interested in reading more about that, there is a series of articles in the Wall Street Journal. There, um, There is a podcast related to it. And our friend Chris Martin has a post on his Terms of Service blog as well. Adam Holtz, as always, thank you so much. Lots of great content for you guys to be reading at Focus on the Families Plugged In. Appreciate you being here, man. Thanks, Carmen. We'll be right back.
The truth is messy, and sometimes, you know, frankly, we make a mess of the truth. Messy Truth is the book, How to Foster Community Without Sacrificing Conviction. Uh, Caleb um, Kaltenbach is the author, and you may remember a conversation that we had with him about how he grew up. You will remember that he was um, raised by gay parents. He has served as a pastor, and he talks to us about the difficulty we all have about what what should we do? How should we maintain our convictions and yet continue to grow in community and influence those who um, who identify as LGBTQ? So that's what our conversation is up next. It's about messy truth, and we have copies to give away. If you are interested, you can text the word book to 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Is there anything in your life that needs to be removed? Any impediment? to the impression of God's Spirit. This is Max Locato. We can grieve the Spirit with our angry words and resist the Spirit in our disobedience. We can test or conspire against the Spirit in our plottings. We can even quench the Spirit by having no regard for God's teachings. But here's something that helps us stay in step with the Spirit. It's in Galatians 5.22. We know that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are indicators on our spiritual dashboards. So whenever we sense them, we know we are walking in the Spirit. Whenever we lack them, we know we are out of step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. and author Caleb Kaltenbach is back today. We have had an earlier conversation um, with Caleb about his own story and his acclaimed first book. He's back today to talk with us about his new book, Messy Truth. It's really, I think, an essential conversation on how we foster community without sacrificing conviction, something that each and every one of us as Christians in the culture needs to learn how to do today. Caleb, welcome back, and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Carmen. Always a pleasure. So let's just jump right in with, I think, the big question, and that is, you know, how can I as a Christian, how can we as Christian organizations, churches as well, how can we genuinely love people who identify as LGBTQ and honor our theological beliefs at the same time? Well, I, I think I think that's a, the kind of the question of the century, maybe, or question of the decade or question of the earth, however you want to look at it. But I think that there are three components that we need. We need to hold on to our commitments to God's word. We need to uh, increase our compassion or our empathy for other people, uh, and especially people who are not like us. And we also need to be willing to have difficult conversations, but specifically, we need to make sure that they are intentional conversations. Uh, It's okay to have difficult conversations. We all have uh, a lot of difficult conversations in our life, Uh, but it's not okay to needlessly uh, wound somebody or to shame somebody. So how do we have those difficult conversations without shaming people? And I think it comes through prayer and intentionality. So it's really holding up the banner for our convictions 
our compassion and those conversations. Okay, that's really helpful. That's an awesome framework um, for us to start with. Let's do this. Let's now take a step back and let's remind people um, why you are so good at not only what you just did, but so uh, such a good and honorable person for us to walk with into this very messy conversation about messy truth. Just briefly, you know, remind people of your own story. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I uh, was uh, raised by uh, two lesbians and a gay man. My parents divorced when I was two. They went into same-sex relationships. My dad had several friends, but my mom was in a monogamous uh, relationship with a woman named Vera for uh, 22 years until Vera died of cancer. They were activists. Uh, They raised me uh, going with them to activist events and pride parades and house parties and campouts and clubs and bars. And I saw some of the ugliness of those who profess to be Christians, uh, whether it was throwing water and urine on people, holding up signs saying God hates you or ignoring their young sons who are dying of AIDS. And I just thought, man, there's no way I ever want to be a Christian. And then I joined a Bible study when I was 16 to learn how to disprove the Bible. I became a Christian. And my plan to not like Christians did not work out well. Then I had to come out to my uh, three gay parents as a Christian who now believed in, you know, the historic, you know, Judeo-Christian view of sexuality and marriage. And they kicked me out of the house. Eventually, they let me back in, uh, went to Bible college seminary, uh, was a pastor, still am a pastor, but I was preaching at a church in Dallas, Texas. My parents moved there separately, started attending the church I was preaching at, and at the ages of 69 and 70, they both gave their lives to Jesus uh, because a community of people came around them. Uh, Even though they disagreed on things like theology, ethics, relationships, politics, they still found the margin to love my parents you know, and love them where they were at. And I think that made all the difference in the world. But seeing that other people love you can make it easier for you to believe that God can love you sometimes. That is the empathy part, I think, of um, of messy truth that is so essential. I feel like a lot of Christians get the first point. Like, you know, I know how to be convictional about my faith, and boy, I know how to practice up for what we might call a difficult conversation. What makes your um, approach to this, I think, not only unique but essential is uh, that increasing compassion or the word that you use consistently throughout the book is empathy. And you write a lot about empathy and messy truth. So talk with us about how important that is as we seek to approach this particular conversation of the day. Mm. I think it's so important. I think it's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 5, 38 through 48, when he said, if somebody forces you to go one mile, go with them too. Uh, you have heard that you should hate your enemies. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Um, and he was talking about the Romans in the first century, forcing Jewish people to carry their pack. And Jesus was saying, the people that you can't stand who have uh, occupied your land, who are led by a brutal dictator who's so narcissistic that he thinks he's God, who the people that have uh, brutalized your your friends and family who in some cases have crucified them or killed them, those are the people you need to serve. You know, And I think what I get from that is Jesus was not saying agree with everything that Romans believe. No, he's saying walk with them. You know, I I don't think you can walk a mile in somebody's shoes, but you can walk miles next to people. 
you can't mm-hmm. have the same experiences as other people have. Um, and, and so that's why it's kind of a carryover from Messy Grace a little bit, too, that there is a big difference between acceptance and agreement. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think what Jesus was talking about there, what I just quoted, is, is all about acceptance. It's about empathy. Uh, as Brene Brown says, to feel with another person, or as Reggie Joyner at North Point Orange Rethink says, empathy is the ability to put our own thoughts and feelings on pause long enough to think and feel with another person. I think that empathy is acknowledging another person's reality. Reality. It's acknowledging their experience. It does not mean you agree with them. It does not mean you reject them. It means that you are going to walk with them. And I think that God and Jesus set the perfect example. He walked how many years with human beings, even though we were the ones to betray God and reject him. And yet he still walked with us and died for us. So I think God is the ultimate example of that kind of empathy. So the book is Messy Truth. How to Foster Community Without Sacrificing Conviction. Um, we're talking with pastor and author Caleb Kaltenbach today. Uh, he is the author of the book. We have books to give away. If this is the conversation you need to be equipped to have, if this is the challenge that you know you face in your own family, in your own church, certainly in your own community, go ahead and text the word book to 877 When we come back from a very brief break, I'm going to ask Caleb to get us from the question, what should we do, to what are we willing to do to keep and build influence with others? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation now with Caleb Kaltenbach. He is the author most recently of Messy Truth, How to Foster Community Without Sacrificing Conviction. We do have copies of the book to give away today. Um, If this is the challenge that you're facing, LGBTQ conversations are happening all around us. How do we engage in those conversations, maintaining our commitment to Scripture, um, showing empathy and compassion to those who are walking in shoes in which we are not walking and then having really difficult, intentional conversations that move to a place of, of community, of fellowship. If that's, a, if that's a conversation you want to be equipped to have, Messy Truth is the book you need. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. Caleb, we have a lot, a lot of folks engage in the, you know, like, what should we do? Even hand-wringing conversations about what should we do? That's not really the question we should be asking. Tell us what the question is that we should be asking, and and then how do we get there? I think the the question that we should be asking is, you know, a lot of us, you know, ask that question, what should we do, you know, or uh, what's going to happen if we don't do this or we don't do that? What's going to happen if? And, you know, one comes from just uh, an extreme imperative uh, the other one comes from a place of of, of fear. Uh, I believe uh, the the you know that all of us are fighting for influence. Every single one of us. Um, we are in a battle of ideas. We've been in a battle of ideas since humanity has fallen away from God, and a lot of those ideas center around our identities, and that's where our insecurities come from. And so, I, I really feel like. We are fighting for influence in the life of my 14 year old and 12 year old. I am fighting for influence uh, for God to have the most influence. I know me, but especially God. That's why I partner with the church that I'm on staff with. That's why they go to student ministry. That's why 
they go to a small group. That's why I lead a small group, you know, for the high school ministry and volunteer there, because I, I really believe that those are the front lines with kids and students, especially. We're fighting a battle of ideas for influence. And so um, a lot of us will ask the wrong questions. What should we do? Or, hey, what? What, what in the world should we, you know, what's going to happen if we engage society, if we engage culture? The better question is, uh, what's going to happen if we don't engage culture? Mm. Like, what's going to happen if we don't see influence as what we're trying to win? And we want that influence because whenever somebody's life hits the bottom of the barrel, I want to earn the right to be one of the first phone calls or texts that they make. And, I, mm. and, and if they do that, I know that I will have influence with them. My words will carry weight. And in those moments, I will be able to hopefully steer them and point them towards the Lord, um, not towards my opinion, but towards the Lord. And so I'm fighting for those moments. I'm fighting for influence in those moments. All right, you guys, this book um, offers really practical tools that encourage church involvement, strengthen personal relationships, increase empathy, um, increase engagement in the pivotal conversations that are happening in um, in the world today and to do so in ways that actually engender community, the kind that Caleb is talking about. Caleb, I want to ask a couple of really practical questions. Um, uh, just, you know, I know that we have at least one family in our listening community right now um, where they have a child, an adult child, but a very young adult child in his very early 20s who um, has... You know, he has said that he has, you know, left the faith and he has said that he is, you know, drawn to, engaged in, called to be um, gay in this case. But, you know, that could be transgender. Like it could be any one of uh, of a list of choices that that individual could be making that depart from what we understand to be, you know, God's best for people. Talk to that family right now as they are in the very first days of responding to their child's not only rejection um, of the faith, but, you know, this this new exploration of identity as well. Uh, thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to speak to them. Let me, let me say a few things. Number one, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. Um, I cannot imagine what you're going through as a parent. I'm a parent. I didn't go through what I went through as a parent. I went through it as a child, but still, I, I can't imagine what you're going through. Um, a, a few things. Uh, number one, uh, since you're in the opening days, this is a time to listen more than anything else. There will be time for discussion about faith and questions about God and so on and so forth. Trust me, that will come up again. Right now is the time for you to listen. Right now is the time to pray. Right now is the time to make sure that you have just a really, really good, solid relationship with your child, like I'm sure uh, that you have in the past. But right now, you really, really want to do everything you can to try to maintain that. OK, um, uh, when you have to have difficult conversations it, it, or, or difficult conversations about what you believe, which, number one, your child probably already knows what you believe, those are best when they are in the context of a relationship with love and trust and so on and so forth. Uh, number three, don't automatically think that your child is going to hell. Don't automatically think that your child has uh, left the faith. Um, and as gracious as you can be right now, um, that's going to be a signal to them of how they can return. I, I was thinking about the prodigal son the other day. I think one of the reasons why the prodigal son knew that he could go back to his father 
and knew that he was able to was because of how his father let him leave. Now, I'm not saying that you should let your son leave like, like that. I'm saying that as gracious as you can be in this moment will be a big sign for him of whether or not he can come back when his life does hit the bottom of the barrel. And the last thing I'll say is this, is I know we're pressing for time. Hear me out on this. As much as you love your son, God loves him infinitely more. Jesus died for him. God loves your son more than you do. And he, as hard as you are fighting for your son, God is fighting infinitely harder in ways that you don't even see, in ways that when your son puts his head on his pillow, he hears in his heart. And I guarantee you that you have a great ally in the Lord. So you keep on praying to him and just know as much as you love your son, God loves him even more. And God is doing something about this. Messy Truth, How to Foster Community Without Sacrificing Conviction. It is the latest book by Caleb Kaltenbach. Um, We have copies available. If you are a parent and you need to start talking with your kids about Christ-centered marriage and intimacy, if you are a parent and you haven't had intentional conversations about sexuality with your teenagers, if you are um, a parent of a child who has come out as gay or transgender or is having other identity um, conversations or expressions and you need some equipping. Um, if it, You know what? If your child already came out and it didn't go well and you need to heal that relationship, there's resources in this book for you as well. There's resources here for each and every one of us um, as we are people of faith facing a culture where this is one of the mandatory conversations that we have to learn to have. And we need to learn to have the conversation in a way that upholds our biblical convictions, but also treats treats people with compassion and empathy, and yeah, enables us, equips us to have hard, intentional conversations. This book does all of that. It is Messy Truth. We're giving away copies today. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. Caleb, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for Messy Grace. Thank you for Messy Truth. Um, thank you for you know, helping us in the midst um, of, of life walk into and through real conversations about what's really going on. It's really, it's a blessing. Blessings on you and Amy and your kids as well. Thank you so much for having me. Blessings on you, my friend. Thanks, Caleb. Hey, you guys can check out MessyGraceGroup.com as well for more church resources on this dot org. topic. Oh, .org. Thank you. MessyGraceGroup.org. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that catch. I really appreciate it. We'll be right back. No All right, friends. Um, we I have such a heart of gratitude right now, just for each and every person. And I I thank you for all of the folks who've texted in. Just in the in this last segment during this conversation um, uh, with Caleb. There's a lot of pain in our families, and there is a lot of grief. And so let's be lifting each other up in prayer. Let's be reaching out in empathy one to the other today. Um, If you were looking for prayer fodder, let me just say uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ are struggling. 
folks are having a hard time in their families. There are, uh, there's just a lot of brewing out there and there's a lot of darkness. And so let me just encourage you to be a point of light in the life of another person today. Reach out empathetically, walk, um, walk alongside someone who you know is struggling or who is dealing with difficulties with their kids or with their parents, frankly, like there's just all kinds of stuff going on. So wanted to lift that up. Also um, want to alert you in case you didn't know, today is National um, Apple Dumpling Day. Paul, how are we celebrating Apple Dumpling Day? I made no plans. Mm -hmm. It's also National Monte Cristo Day, the sandwich. Which are good. Which are very good. Uh, National Concussion Awareness Day. And so, um, you know, that one, that one like strikes me. Okay. And then it's National Tradesman's Day, National Pet Bird Day, and as we've mentioned earlier, Constitution Day. A little something for everyone today. There is. There is. Here's what I know about today. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And for some, for some, this will be the day of salvation. No ordinary day. And yet, a completely ordinary day. Let's go forth into the world that God so loves and do so in ways that honor Jesus. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.